up, I've got a whole bunch of videos here. The good, the bad, the ugly. I just want to get your thoughts on it and we can have a bit of a debate. So should we start with the first video? Let's do it. Rich people ask how much. Broke people ask how much down and how much a month. So our favorite American, Dave Ramsey, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think the quickest way to go broke is to use debt to buy depreciating liabilities. Really do agree with Dave on that. I think he's done a lot of good in the world. Um, however, there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. And good debt is debt that you leverage to invest in an asset that goes up in value and produces income. Dave says all debt is dumb. Only bad debt is dumb. Yeah, rich often don't even ask how much. They just buy without even looking at the price tag. Right, next video. I just had a guy in my workshop this morning. He's 57 years old. You know what he says? I don't have anything to say for retirement. He's 57. He's got eight years to the typical retirement age. He said, Matt, what would you say to me? I said, you bro, you better bust your tail. You better consider entrepreneurship because here, here's the thing. The typical way to save for retirement is to save 10% of your income, 20% of your income, 30% of your income. That's called wealth accumulation, the old way. PHP agency, they've paid me $10 million over the last seven years. How have I done it? Because I said wealth acceleration. So instead of waiting for a job to pay me 65,000, 75,000, $100,000 a year over 10, 20, 30 years of my life, I said, let me take ownership of myself, start a business part-time, start transitioning from part-time to full-time. And once I start making more money part-time through my business, I can leave my full-time job because now I can double my efforts into my part-time business. So that technique is called wealth acceleration. What do you think of that? I think it's never too late to start a business. You're never too old. And I think more and more people now are getting further away from being able to retire. Money's going down in value. The average age is going up and up and up. The amount of baby boomers, you know, the older people that need to be funded through retirement is going up and up and up. I do believe that if you love what you do and do what you love, you never have to work another day in your life again and you never have to retire from your life because you love what you do. If you look at the statistics, a lot of people die quite soon after they retire because they lose purpose. But if you look at people like Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, well into their 80s, still healthy and vital because they love what they do and do what they love. So a lot of people start side hustles and side businesses, but they never take off. They never make enough money for them to replace their income. Why? And maybe they don't give it long enough. Maybe they don't start the side hustle for the right reason. They're looking for a get rich quick rather than a get rich long. Maybe they don't focus all their energies into that one business model. Maybe they change their mind too often or they give up too quick. Have you ever started a side hustle? I've got multiple side hustles. Yeah, I don't think I've ever given one up. I might have evolved it, changed it, but I generally tend to not give up. You, you only fail when you quit. But do you really have a side hustle or are they just legitimate businesses? Well, they start side hustles, don't they? Because they're not your main thing. Um, but as they grow, they can become big, legitimate businesses. Property started as a side hustle. Writing started as a side hustle. My membership site started as a side hustle. Even my training business started as a side hustle. And they all do, what, more than 20 million a year now in income. So what's the line in the sand, the difference between a side hustle and a business? Well, it starts as a side hustle when it's your secondary or a beginning in income stream, or you put part-time hours into it. Once you start putting full-time hours into it, or the revenue equals your main hustle, then the side hustle becomes your main income stream. Nice, love it. Next video. Mm. I don't give a f if your mother died in your arms. Where's the f we can report you? 
I'm serious. I don't give a shit. We've had guys, their wife is giving birth. As God is my witness, he's a doctor, Dr. Joe. Push, honey. Oh, yeah, Dan, I, I, I got push, honey. Push, push. I don't give a shit. Nobody, don't you understand? Nobody cares about all the trials and tribulations of your weak life. Don't you understand that? What the do I have to do here? You morons. I don't really know where to start to unpick that. Um, is there any uh, sense to what Dan is saying there? Yeah, to a certain degree there is, because no one really cares about your excuses or what's going on in your life, and we all have challenges and difficulties. At the end of the day, if you want to be successful, you've got to get the job done and not make excuses. But you don't need to F and blind and shout and scream at your audience, people who've paid to come and see him. Not everyone is to see you next Tuesday and he needs therapy because he's got anger management issues. Uh, is Dan Pena toxic? I wouldn't say Dan Pena is toxic. I would say he's aggressive. Um, I think that's just his style. Um, I think he probably thinks it gets virality on social media. Um, it's not my style. But some of the things he says is useful. No one cares. No one does care. So get on with it. Don't make excuses. Uh, if Dan Pena was sat right here, what would you say to him? Why do you swear so much? Why are you so angry? Who hurt you when you were young? Why do you get so aggressive towards the people that pay you for your information? Those kind of questions. Have you ever had to do business with someone like Dan Pena, someone who's just so explosive and ranty? No. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United, and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him. I've used him for many years. And recently we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. No. No, I probably wouldn't, because if you can't manage your emotions, how can you manage money? Next video. Every $100 you make, fold it up, put it away, out of sight, out of mind. This is a savings trick I learned from some agent on TikTok. So let's try it. All right, so I've already sorted out by hundreds. So I have to save all of this and only spend this. All right, I got them all right here folded up. Like I said, this is savings and this is spending. Let me know in the comments down below if you try this. So what do you think about that? Um, I don't think many people get paid in cash anymore. Um... Cash is a very simple and easy way to budget. You know, spend that, save that, invest that. Um, 
but most people don't get paid in cash anymore. In my book, Money, I talked about the money bucketing system. And what I'd often do with cash is I would, I always carry cash because you never know when you might need it. But I might break a note, like break a 20, intentionally, and then save the change and, and build it up that way. But once you get to a certain level of savings, then you need to invest because you can't save your way to wealth because inflation is more than interest. So cash is going down in value. So really all savings is, is to stop you spending and wasting money and to teach you discipline to build money up. But once you get to a certain amount, even quite a small amount, you need to start investing. Protect that savings from inflation. So watches, real estate, starting a business, stock market, get it out of savings as quick as you can and get it into assets. So that guy had a whole wad of cash in his wallet. To me, that just seems completely dumb and irresponsible to have a load of cash in your wallet if that's all your life savings or stored under the mattress. What, why are people still doing this then? Yeah, I mean, the thing with cash, cash, is it can be stolen. Your emotions can spend it. You know, like when you go out and drink and then you wake up and you've got a load of credit card bill receipts. Um, it's much more wise to protect your cash from inflation by investing it into assets. If you only had a thousand pounds, would you rather have that in a bank account or physical cash? Um, probably a bank account, because even though inflation is eroding your savings, it's still getting some interest and interest rates are going up. So there's no interest on cash. There's at least interest on savings, which might save you half the inflation. And it's away from your emotional spending. Yo, stop trying to save money. Do this instead. This is advice for people who want to get rich, want to make real money. If you're cool with poverty or being middle class, this ain't for you. There's a lot of like people online telling you, save money, I make my own coffee. I've been wearing the same jeans for 12 years. But that's not going to get you rich. You don't have a spending problem, you got an income problem. What I did when I was struggling is I just got more jobs. At one point I had four jobs. I was working 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And I was able to make more money, then I invested that money into my businesses, and now I'm making multiple seven figures but it started with just getting more money whatever that means is that's a business if that's another job if it's multiple jobs it's actually easier than clipping coupons making your own coffee or flying economy <laughs> stop being lazy even if you a janitor start doing some other janitor shit after work get more money so this kind of goes back to the side hustles we were talking about before but when does it become uh too much to have too many jobs too many side hustles that guy said he had four jobs at one point are you uh, an advocate of that or not um, there's only a certain amount of hours in the day that you can work. And when people say they work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, they're usually exaggerating. I agree with him that making your own coffee and saving vouchers and coupons and trying to cut your expenses down, that has diminishing law of returns. You know, Martin Lewis talks a lot about that. But if you're only spending two grand a month anyway, how much can you actually get that down? You might get it down two or three hundred and, and then you hit like a, a minimum, but earning an extra two or three or 500 or a thousand probably is easier than saving that amount of money as long as you're lean anyway. So maybe you want one extra side hustle, probably not three or four, but you want to get yourself out of debt as quickly as possible because debt compounds in reverse. Um, and then once you're out of debt, you want to cover your main expenses. And then once you've done that, you want to maybe have double your main expenses. That would be 
financial security, triple your expenses might be financial freedom, five or ten times your expenses might be financial opulence. But the problem with working so many jobs is in the end you just burn yourself out. So what you need to do is stop exchanging time for money and start exchanging time for assets. As soon as you can, buy a little car wash, buy some information and turn it into intellectual property. Write a book, launch an audio book, launch a membership site where you can put your time in to build an asset so that you can step back. So having four jobs, would you say, is just flawed then? I think having multiple jobs for a short amount of time to dig yourself out of a financial hole is okay. But it's not sustainable. What if you've got family, children, you know, hobbies? I mean, I know people that work for me that have got two or three other jobs. They deliver on the side and they work in takeaways. And in the end, you just can't show up because you're always knackered. Back in the day, you had a few jobs when you were just starting uh, your entrepreneurial career. You were working in the pub, artists and things like that. So you were dabbling with that back in the day, weren't you? Yeah, I think when you're searching for the right thing for you, you can try things. And like I said, if you were short term, need to get out of debt and build up some cash and you're hungry and motivated, it's okay for a short while. So when you first started and you had multiple jobs, surely there were other things that were suffering. I assume when you were starting your businesses and property and all that, you as an artist, it just kind of faded away. You didn't have any time to work on it. Yeah, um, you have to make sacrifices. You know, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And everything comes at a cost. Every upside has a downside. So when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I didn't go out anymore, I didn't socialise, I didn't drink, I stopped martial arts. Um, I didn't actually paint again. I just solely focused on um, selling properties for other people and, and building my own portfolio. And so, yeah, there's, there's a cost to success. The question is, are you prepared to pay that cost? So is it better to have one goal, one dream, and put 100% everything into that one, than split your time between four different jobs, three different jobs, to take the risk all on one? Well, it depends, because if you put all your eggs in one basket and you have no plan B, what if that plan A fails? Work for James Dyson. It's worked for some. Worked for Elon Musk. Yeah. But let's be honest, most businesses fail. And most people aren't James Dyson or Elon Musk. So the, the good thing about hedging is you give yourself options. The bad thing about hedging is you spread your focus. Maybe one side hustle. Four jobs is too many. But I guess if you were to go back in time to when you were you know, 26, 27, started this, uh, your entrepreneurial jury, journey, you would have just put everything into property. You wouldn't have been fucking around with anything else. You just would have gone, right, this is the thing that's going to work. And that's what you did, and everything turned out great. Well, I was working in my dad's pub. I was doing a bit of art on the side, and I got into property. And my intention was, I'll go and work for this property company. I can do art evenings and weekends. I can still do a few shifts for my dad. So I still probably had the intention of having two or three jobs. But once one grew, the others weren't needed anymore. Right, next video. I pay you $1,000. Can we double it in six months? No. How long in 12 months? Okay, no problem, I'll do a double in a, in a year. Here's $1,000, I get a double back, right? So if you take 1,000 and you double it every year, what happens? 1,000 goes into two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, 256, five, 12, a million. $1,000 is nine doubles away from a million. Wow. Now you take a million and see what happens if we double it nine times. A million is 10 doubles away from a billion. But how do you find the doubles? Well, that's the game. What's the game? The game is finding viable businesses 
that are useful to as many people as possible and then producing these products and services at a fair, sustainable and scalable profit margin and reinvesting back into growth and seeing how far you can take it. So we might be doing some uh, collaboration with Patrick in the future. I know we're talking to his team, but if he was sat right here, what, was, uh, what would be something you would have a discussion with him about? I'd probably ask him what business models he thinks are viable. I'd probably ask him how he overcomes challenges and difficulties. Probably ask him how he builds a team. Um, you know, some of his biggest regrets, mistakes, failures, wins along the way. So the example he gave there, you know, an investment that doubles every single year, how realistic really is that to turn you know, $1,000 into a million dollars in just a few years? Um, in terms of investing, pretty unrealistic. But if you start a business and you put your sweat equity in um, and you funnel other resources, it's more achievable. I mean, some businesses, three, five years, especially social media, the internet software, they can grow really fast. But standard asset classes might pay 5% return a year. What's the best ROI you've ever got out of an investment? Infinite ROI. Well, infinite return on capital. Because I've bought properties no money down with other people's money. So I've got an infinite return on my investment of zero. Um, yield, so return on investment, 12, 15%. Businesses can get you a much higher ROI. You can start a business with no, no money. I start my business with 200 pounds. Does 20 plus mi a million in a year in sales now. It's a pretty good ROI, but I put a lot of time and energy into that as well. So there's, people think that you can get these really big returns without working for it. You can't, unless you use leverage. Nice, right, next video. I think it's very important for us all to understand and we know and also to the listeners, you are paid you know, relative to how many people can actually do what you do. So we are talking about very rare talent that in many cases of one of one. The second thing also, we also can't forget that these athletes have been dedicating themselves to this particular sport since the age of three or five. I know there's always been a conversation around teachers should get paid more, right? Or things of that nature. But when you think about someone who's dedicated themselves to a craft, one particular craft day in and day out for five to seven days a week since the age of three until now, or, you know, for 25 years, that conversation should also be put in the context of what that person earns. This is something I've heard you mention before about you know, why Premier League footballers get paid more than nurses. So what's your assessment of that? Well, if you work in the public sector where there is a ceiling imposed upon you, nurses being one of them, that's the limit to which you can earn because the public sector values you that much. If you go into the private sector and you start your own enterprise or you become an athlete or an influencer, there is no imposed ceiling by anybody else on you. So if you want to increase your earning power, you need to be valuable. So um, valuable, value-able. The more able you are to give value to multiple people and corporations at scale, the more you'll get paid. So footballers and top, top athletes get paid a lot of money because millions of people around the world want to be entertained by them, want to watch them, will pay pay-per-view. Sponsors, advertisers and partners will all throw money at them because they've got all the eyeballs and the value. So... People expect money to come to them and them just to be able to do the minimum, nine to five, etc. That's not how it works. You need to offer more value to more people, become more valuable, and you'll get paid more. Could you ever work in the public sector? 
The problem with the public sector is there are imposed ceilings on your earning. There's control over what you can and can't do, can and can't say. Um, and it's very regulated. And no, I'm a square peg in a round hole, a rebel with a cause. I don't, don't think I could ever do it. Why do most athletes go broke? Because they don't get financial education and knowledge and they can make a lot of money, but they don't learn how to invest it. Making money and keeping money and growing money are different skills. Uh, and they're good at making money, but they'll have people around them. They'll have build this big entourage or spend their money. They won't track their spending. They'll think they've got a lot of money, but they don't realise half of it's gone in tax. People sponge off them. And I mean, so many sports people come to me for, for money advice who've earned a lot of money and squandered a lot of money. So if that triangle there, uh, making, spending and investing, did I get that right? In that order? Yeah. Uh, what would you say you're best at? Um, probably making and investing. Yeah. I feel like I could dig myself out of any hole by increasing my earning capacity. But that money has to be invested wisely and not just sprayed around on liabilities. I noticed saving was not on that uh, ratio at all then. No, I don't really like keeping money in savings for very long because of how high inflation is and theft and security risk. Yeah. Don't put all your money in a wallet, right? Like that guy. No, no, <laughs> don't roll up all the notes and put it in a wallet. Do always carry a bit of cash though, because you never know when you might need it. Right, final video. Make 600 grand a year, am I correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Holy shit, man. Who's lucky? This is the luckiest you'll ever be in your life, too. I dare you to ruin this opportunity. I dare you. I dare you. Where can you go to make this kind of money? Tell me. Nowhere. Nowhere. But yet you're walking around here and acting like you can go somewhere else. See your problem? See your problem? Broke people have an arrogant problem. Broke people walk around with arrogance. They look at you like, I don't have to listen to this guy. Two, you can get your ass out of here and go to your 13 hour dollar job where you should be. Does that make sense? You don't deserve to, to be in our presence. Do broke people have an arrogant problem? I think it depends. I think there's a lot of jealousy and envy around people who don't know how to make money. They think that people were born into wealth or they got an inheritance or they're, they're lucky or that the world isn't fair. There's definitely a lot of that going on, but some broke people are there in underprivileged areas. They've never really been taught. I know quite a few broke people who want to learn how to make money or, or are willing to listen and take advice. They just need someone to, to give them a shot. I mean, this guy's angry, shouts and screams at people. I don't like his education style. I don't know what credibility he's got. Not every broke person on the planet, um, you know, has got an arrogance problem. There's quite a few rich people who have got an arrogance problem. Um, we've all got a different story. Some people just need a little bit of luck or support or help. I have a lot of people reach out to me who've had it hard. They just need someone to give them a break. Would you uh, debate that guy on one of your podcasts? More than happily chat. chat. I'll chat to anyone about money. Um, because I think too often with social media, we make generalisations. I think it's easy to make generalisations without context. So what is the main thing that keeps people broke then? Is it themselves or is it the system or something else? Well, um, the system certainly doesn't want you to know how to be rich. Because... For example, the system will teach you that your house is the best investment you'll ever make. Why? So that you'll get a big fat mortgage 
and pay the banks and the system masses of interest over 25 years and be controlled by them. The system teaches you to pay your taxes. Why? So that they can stick the needle in and suck half your money in taxes for the rest of your life. And then when you die, they'll take half your estate. So the system, it needs a few of you to be rich, to create, to produce, to build, but mostly it, it wants you controlled. Um, but then some people are just, they're raised that way. They're raised without the education, the information. They're raised without privilege or they've got fears that hold them back or they're worried about putting themselves out there or, or, or being judged or taking a risk or hoarding it or scared to lose it all. Everyone's got a different story. Of all the videos we just watched today of this session, was there anything that triggered you or you just thought was played wrong? Now look, we've, we've all got our own style. I don't think calling everyone that <laughs> takes time to watch you uh, see you next Tuesday is it's not my personal style. I think shouting and screaming in the face of your um, audience members is not my particular style. Um, but these people are just trying to get noticed and be heard in a world where we're all trying to get attention. I think there's a lot of misinformation around money and business out there. I think there's a lot of bravado and bullshit and a lot of people who you know, maybe are overplaying their, their results. What's your biggest challenge with money right now? A lot of it is how to invest it and get it out of the banks because I'm in a fortunate position where uh, I'm making very good money. And so I want to make sure that um, I invest it well. Um, getting the tax bill down, uh, recruitment and re recruiting good quality staff who have got loyalty and longevity. Yeah, there's some of my big challenges. Winning this fight in two and a half weeks. Thinking about what's next. Does money still keep you motivated? I love money. I even said to my wife this morning, I love being rich. I've been rich and I've been broke. And people say money doesn't buy happiness. It does. Money might not buy happiness because money is an enabler and an exaggerator. Money will make you more of what you already are. So if you're jealous and envious, more money will just make you more jealous and more envious. If you're spiritual and caring, you'll give a lot of money away. If you're a philanthropist, you'll give more money away. If you're a hoarder, you'll stash it all, um, never to be seen again. But you can travel well. You can live long. You can be free and autonomous and say no with um, money. And I think usually the people say that money doesn't make you happy are broke people who've never tasted money, or billionaires who've got so much money they've kind of forgotten what it's like to struggle for money.